We got mail. You got mail. <laughs> I don't know why that was funny. <laughs> but anyways, let's open it. Let's do it. Let's hope it's not hate mail. Oh, that's fun. I hope not. It's handwritten. Kara and Megan, or as I call you, the WMMMMMM women. <laughs> I've got quite the story for y'all. First off, I absolutely love you guys and the podcast. Hey, this is the Witch's Magic Murder and Mystery Podcast. I'm Kara. I'm Megan. <laughs> I find myself in tears laughing along with you guys, just like old friends. I work night shift at a local hospital and often listen to you guys to stay awake. Can I just say I'm so happy that you hand wrote us a letter instead of emailing And us. it's cursive. This makes me so happy. I love it. I'm cur- currently awaiting your Florida Man episode right now while working. It is currently 4.19 a.m. And I believe I just had a ghost encounter. Oh. And your thought was to tell us how to write it out in cursive. So maybe an hour ago, I had someone from a funeral home looking for a patient who had passed earlier this Mm. evening. Should we save this for a ghost story episode? Maybe. I feel like we should. Yeah, this is, if this is all about a ghost, sure. Emily in Ohio, we are excited to read this. Let me tell you what happened last night. Let me tell you, my nose won't stop running for some reason (laughs) today. Last night, when Lauren was in sixth grade, she fell and split the back of her head open on a concrete floor. She just fell straight back, split it open, had to get three staples. It was terrible. She had a concussion, hated it. Concussed. Last night, she calls me and she is like, Mom, she's in color guard and she does rifle and saber because she's a badass. And she did the rifle and it came back down and hit her in the back of her head. Stop. She thought she'd split the same part open, but it wasn't. She split a different part of her head open. Oh, fun. And so. And she's a redhead too, so. And you know, it's a head wound, so there's blood everywhere. And she's like, low key headed to the ER. And I'm like, you don't low key head to the ER. So the doctor comes into the room. She's sitting there with her head all wrapped up. And he's like, so tell me what happened. And she was like, okay, well, I'm in color guard. And the first thing I need you to know is that I'm not bad at it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't. And the doctor immediately busted out laughing. And she's like, well, this story is going to make you think I'm bad at it. <laughs> and she's like, but I had five clean tosses before this happened. <laughs> Should I get to my episode now that we've been talking for 10 know. minutes? We're going to have to cut a lot of that out. It's but fine. It's fine. It's fine. I've got a missing person. You do? It's, it's like me and serial killers that poison people. Mm-hmm. Also, quick thing. Just mm-hmm. a quick plug. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for the Founding Daddy merch, it's in the shop. And go get it. There's fall merch in the shop. Be sure to Listen, check it out. I had somebody come up to the coffee cart and ask when the Founding Daddy merch was going to be released. I said, you listen to us? And she was like, no, girl. <laughs> it's there. There's sweatshirts, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and coffee mug. I'm working on a sticker sheet that just says now yet. All right. Are you ready? I believe so. This is a wild one. Oh. I know I always say this, but like, I've never heard this story. I can't believe I've ever heard this story. It baffles me that we never, we don't know a lot of of these. Yeah. How do I not know everything? Yeah. How do we not know? Do we have our heads in the sand, Megan? This is apparently a super famous cold case in Atlanta. So if you're from that area, you may have heard of this one. I have never heard of it. Okay. It's from the 60s. Okay. On October 14th, 1965. 25-year-old Mary Shotwell Little. She was just living her normal, everyday life. Okay. Okay. She was married. She worked at a bank. She didn't have any sort of dangerous habits or any kind of wild, edgy lifestyle. Okay. You know, she was just... She was a hot mess. Normal person. Yeah. Yeah. 
She had grown up in Jacksonville, Florida, and she lived there until she was in the ninth grade when she'd moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, due okay. to her dad's job. Okay. She'd gone on to study secretarial science. So why did your computer screen just move <laughs> you, by itself? Did you see that? I glanced over and I was like, Megan is not touching her computer screen. It just scrolled it up and down. I'm glad you saw it too. And it wasn't even on that. It was on the zoom in. The last thing Megan had touched was zoom in and it decided to scroll that up and down. That was so weird. I'm, I'm really glad you saw it too. And if you're watching the YouTube video, you might have seen my face go like, what was that? Mary had gone on to study secretarial science at the North Carolina College for Women, which has now gone on to be the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. Okay. And then moved to Atlanta, Georgia for a job with CNS Bank, which is where she's working. Okay. In October of 1965. Okay. When she moved there, she lived with some friends, Sandra Green and Julie Brownless. Brownless. Just, I've never heard I've that last name. I was about life. to say that. I have never <laughs> heard of that last name. In a triplex near Emory University. Okay. Then, in 1964, she met the man that she would end up marrying, Roy Little. They dated for about 10 months, and they got married on Labor Day weekend, which is September 4th, 1965. Hmm. And they moved into an apartment in Decatur, Georgia. Okay. About a month later, so they hadn't been married long at yeah. all. Roy had to go to LaGrange, Georgia, to take an exam to become an auditor with the state banking department. Oh. So this kept him out of town for like a week. Now, on Thursday, October 14th, Roy was still out of town, but he was planning to be back in town the next day. Mm -hmm. She planned to meet her friend Isla at Lenox Square. That's a cute name. I know. I like it. Yeah. For dinner and shopping. So Lenox Square is a posh, open-air mall in the upscale Buckhead District. At least it was upscale at, at the time. time. I had known nothing about it now. <laughs> what if they're like, Megan, no, it They're isn't. like, oh, it isn't. Megan knows nothing about Buckhead. <laughs> she said she knew everything. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Don't doubt that. <laughs> it was uh, well-lit, and even at night, it was typically full of people. So when Mary got there, she did her grocery shopping first. Grocery store employees helped her put her groceries into her car around 6.15 p.m. And then Mary and Isla had dinner at the cafeteria there. Can we just take a moment where people used to help you load your groceries mm -hmm. in your car? Like, insisted. Oh, yeah. I remember being little and them being yeah. like, what do you need some help? I'll yeah. get out there with you. Yeah. yeah. I was at Trader Joe's and they actually, like, made me let them mm -hmm. a couple of days ago. Anyway, so Mary and Isla, they go out to eat. Mm -hmm. and they go shopping for about an hour, and they separate and come back together again. I'm guessing they want to go shop in different stores. Oh, yeah. And they meet back up again before parting for good for the evening. Mary had guests coming to stay with her for the weekend. Two couples that had come to their wedding were coming back to visit, so she wanted to get home, put the groceries in the fridge, and clean her apartment before her guests arrived. Hmm. So she told Isla, she's like, I'll see you tomorrow. And then she left, heading toward her car, and she was never seen again. Oh, that was it. She didn't even make it home with the groceries. So the first sign that something was wrong was when Mary didn't show up for work the next day. Her co-workers at the bank called her apartment and there was no answer. So then they called her landlord, which I'm like, do you even know my landlord? No. So they called her landlord and her landlord goes to check on her. I would just break in. <laughs> like, I'm not just like, I don't need the law. I don't need it. any keys. They call her landlord who goes to check on her. And when the landlord goes there, they find that. Mary had not picked up her mail from the day before, and the morning paper was still outside. Oh. So the landlord enters the apartment and discovers that the groceries Mary had picked up the night before were not there. Oh, so they're still in her car. So the personnel director at CNS Bank, Eugene Rackley, 
decided it was time to get in touch with Roy, Mary's husband. Mm -hmm. But Roy hadn't heard anything from her either. That's when Eugene called the police. Isla let them know about having been with Mary the night before at Lenox Square. So Mm -hmm. they backtracked to there and got in touch with the security officers at Lenox Square. Security searches the parking lot, but they can't find a vehicle matching the description of Mary's car, which is a gray 1965 Mercury Comet. Oh, I just think that's such a fun name for her. Eugene, her boss, even drove over there himself to look for it, which is oh, absolutely something I'd do. I'd be like, listen, you call, you yeah. just, you're dismissing it. You're dismissing yeah. it. I'm sure it's yeah, there. Yeah. But he didn't see it either. But also, what a good boss to go check it out. I know. Yeah. Um, police called Roy again, and they were like, we need you to come home now. Like, we can't mm-hmm. find your wife. We can't find her car. Something's wrong. Oh, no. Then shortly before noon, security at Lenox Square actually did end up finding Mary's car in the parking lot there. But they confirmed that the car had definitely not been there. And the boss went by and he didn't see it. Mm -hmm. Again, they are sure it was not there before. Yeah. So that is multiple people. So weird. Right. Is that just a weird timing thing? Yeah. That whoever had taken her just happened to bring it back at the wrong time? Right. Like. Did they know that someone was looking for her and they brought yeah. it back? Or right. were they just lucky that they hadn't brought it back when someone... Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. That's yeah. so strange. Because <sighs> what if they had brought it back when someone was watching? You know right. I, mean? I don't know. So this comes into question later because, of course, people are like, as this investigation goes on for years and it becomes a cold case, there are people who think, well, this is obviously just wrong. The car had to have been there the whole time. But there are investigators who say, no, they're certain this car wasn't there the whole time, and I'll get to why. Okay. Anyway, the area around the car was secured, and police began examining it. The car was covered in a fine layer of red clay dust, as if it had been driven down a dirt road. So this is one reason why they're sure it wasn't always there. Because she wouldn't have gone down that road. Exactly. Um, Investigators looked into Mary's activities, and they found nowhere that she had been that would have accounted for the red clay, clay dust. Huh. And the grocery attendants who had helped her load her groceries the night before hadn't noticed any red clay dust on her car at the time. There were so many witnesses. Back to what they're noting in their examination of the car now that they found it. The engine was cold. Hmm. There were smears of blood in several places. On the driver's side door near the handle. On the inside window on the passenger side. Smeared over the vinyl of the front seats. There were grass clippings stuck on the dried blood where the passenger's head would have been. (gasps) Oh, no. Or where the pastor's head would have rested. Oh, no. Between the seats, they found a full set of women's underwear. So when I read a full set of women's underwear, I was like, we're all in panties. I forgot how much underwear women used to wear. Oh, yeah. Girdle, slip, panties. Um, You know? Yeah, yeah. And then it made me think, like, gosh, I just love how much effort. Yeah. How much we used to do. Yeah. Yeah. That was my granny. She was like the epitome of, like. Yeah, just huge attire. Yeah. Yeah. These were all folded neatly. And then on the floorboard, there was a black bra and a section of like nude colored stockings that had been neatly cut. Mm. It was determined that these did belong to Mary and they had been recently worn. There were speckles of blood on all of these items and tests would later match the blood type found in the car to Mary's. Oh my gosh. Now that's blood type, not DNA. Right. So somebody else could have had that same blood type. It makes it questionable. Right. All the groceries and everything that Mary had purchased the night before were still there in the back seat of her car. However, her purse and raincoat were missing. Oh. So, like, 
She had gotten to her car to put her things in there. Yeah. It's not like she never made it to her car. Yeah. One article mentioned that some of the crime scene technicians thought the blood evidence was odd and raised the possibility that it had been smeared there to stage the scene. But it's also just possible that someone had blood on their hands and it got transferred when they were moving around the car and nothing was staged at all. Like, I don't want to... Yeah. You know how you're, like, trying to lift something and you, like, put your hand up on the hip Mm -hmm. rest or whatever. I mean, I've read a lot of articles about this, and I do want to say that, like, a lot of these articles said different things. So people are just speculating because nobody knows. Right. Yeah. And so I don't want to be like, she, it definitely was staged or it definitely wasn't staged because... Who knows? It's very obvious that people had a lot of opinions about this case. So, and I can't decide. (laughs) She is. I don't want to lean too far one way or the other. Yeah. Roy Little had maintained a mileage log on Mary's car, which I think is just something they did back in the 60s, Mm -hmm. you know, for tax reasons or just for car maintenance. Yeah. So using that information, investigators were able to determine that the car had been driven 41 miles after initially leaving Lennox the night that Mary had vanished. Wow. This is another reason why they feel certain that the car wasn't there the first time security looked for it. How do you account for the mileage? So they had to have driven 20 and a half miles one way and 20 and a half miles like back to the parking lot. Mm -hmm. So the security guards, Mary's boss, and the police kind of all went to look for the car the first time and didn't see it. So do we really think they all missed it the first time? Like, I feel pretty confident. No, I don't think they missed it. Yes. I I feel pretty confident they're right that the car wasn't there. We're looking for it. Yeah. So now we found the car. We need to find Mary. Ground searches began, and even the National Guard got involved. It was the largest search Atlanta had ever seen. There were reward posters up all over the state offering $1,000 and then $3,000 for information. The city's radio stations asked residents within a 20-mile radius of Lenox Square to check their property for Mary's missing purse and raincoat and anything else suspicious. Investigators scoured the woods and side rows along the interstate, searching old abandoned wells and anywhere they could think of where someone might hide a body. So when this was all over the news, this woman Carolyn came forward saying that she had had a weird experience at Lenox Square the same night that Mary disappeared. She said that when she had headed to her car in the parking lot just before the same time that Mary would have been parting ways with Isla to head to her own car, Carolyn felt like someone was following her. So she had hurried to her car, jumped inside, and locked the doors. And then a man had came to her window and grabbed the handle. I know. And Carolyn was like, you're not getting in here. I can just see her, like, looking up at him through the window. Yeah. And he was like, your back tire is low. Okay. And Carolyn immediately drove away and went to a service station where she got her tires checked, and they were all fine. Oh, gosh. Did I ever tell you about this time? Me and Melissa were driving down Taste Creek Road. And, like, this car, like, these two men tried to get our attention. I feel like you... And they were like, your muffler is hanging low. And I was like, what? And we were like, it's not. So we waited and we went to, like, we drove on down the road till we got to, like, yeah. a gas station that with lights and people around. Uh-huh. And they got out of the car and there was nothing wrong. It was weird. Oh, that's sketchy. And I was like, what was that? Why were they? Yeah. Oh, I still don't know. It creeped me out. Anyway. So, in case anyone ever does something like that to you, do what Carolyn did. Yeah, find a safe space yeah. with other people. Don't just trust that they're actually being helpful. No. Anyway, don't trust anyone. That's what we... Yeah, <laughs> that's my motto. <laughs> trust okay, I need no one. <laughs> so, um, she went to the service station, got her tires checked. Everything was fine. When investigators heard this story, 
they thought that possibly this was probably the man who took Mary. And maybe he'd been specifically waiting for Mary and had mistakenly approached Carolyn. That last scenario is interesting because it implies that Mary was targeted Mm -hmm. for some reason. Mm -hmm. I did read an article that said the lead investigator had purposely held back two important pieces of evidence. Okay. Which is a normal thing to do, right? Right. They hold it back so that they have something. Because somebody comes forward and is like, hey. Maybe one of those pieces of evidence is something that would give a reason that Mary would have been targeted. Otherwise, why are we thinking that this couldn't have just been a random kidnapping? Like this guy tried to take Carolyn. That didn't work out. Mm -hmm. So then along came Mary and he took her. Like, why are we thinking? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just don't get why they're like, he was specifically waiting for Mary. Why was he? Why do you think that? Yeah. I don't she not give up when we know nothing right Kara yes Megan I have been seeing all over TikTok these hair straighteners ever since I got my haircut I'm still feel like I'm learning how to do my hair all mm-hmm. over again let me tell you I have found one that works really well it's um, from Tymo uh-huh. T-Y-M-O yes and it is the company for getting the best type of straightener for everything your hair could possibly need it's all over social media right now with products from $59.99 to top of the line straighteners each of their products are built to last and have so many options for whatever your hair needs are so Karen and I received a couple of the products oh we gosh. got a so straightener and a blow dryer yeah. so I'm going to talk about the straightener because that's the one that I have used it has a cordless design which makes it so handy. Right. you traveled with it yes so it's great for getting a good hair reset on the go because it's so portable and convenient it's called the Porta it has this 3D comb design which is enhanced by cutting edge NCH anionic technology so you brush it through your hair it straightens as it goes and it pushes against this ceramic plate that gives a frictionless glide that promises to curb frizz by 50% and I've totally seen that because my hair gets frizzy and this just really smooths it out I really loved it okay so I got the air hype I'm obsessed with it I have just like naturally curly wavy hair so it was a huge game changer for me it dries your hair in half the normal time and it keeps your hair safe and shiny which i noticed immediately Mm -hmm. i didn't even need to straighten it afterwards and usually i do because usually i have all those wild like curls left over the wind power on this thing is intense it's wild like i turned it up i was like let's play with these buttons okay so it has three magnetic styling attachments they're all amazing you know how some blow dryers you get are like if you go to a hotel and there's a diffuser and you're like oh my gosh this is like tearing my hair to pieces and it's gonna be so tangled not with this one and it's magnetic so it's great so right now you guys our listeners can get 30 percent off their first order at timobeauty.com t-y-m-o beauty.com using the code WMM30. So that's just two M's. You guys know our codes usually have three. So just keep that in mind. So with so many great products to choose from, now's the time to upgrade your styling and curling kit. So go to tymobeauty.com and use the code WMM30 for 30% off your first purchase. Goodbye. Goodbye. Summer is the season of hot temperatures, outdoor adventures, and refreshing water activities. Summer is also the season of rough on your feet causing dry, cracked heels and toes. Introducing Babyfoot, the original exfoliation foot peel that contains 16 natural extracts formulated to remove dead skin cells in three easy steps. Apply the booties, relax for an hour, then wash your feet. In 14 days, you've got baby smooth skin and your feet have never been softer. Letting dead skin cells build up over time is hazardous to your foot health. Our professional-grade DIY products, like our original exfoliation foot peel, our men's foot peel, or our moisturizing mask, are some of the best foot care products on the market created with your foot health in mind. Pamper yourself with a spa day from the comfort and convenience of your own home with Babyfoot.
If you want a chemical-free, easy-to-use exfoliating process from the company that created the original foot peel, it's time to treat yourself to Babyfoot. Go to babyfoot.com and use the code SUMMERFEET24 and get 20% off your first order with Babyfoot. That's babyfoot.com and use the code SUMMERFEET24. Okay. Of course, investigators looked at Roy. The husband is always going to be a suspect. They'd only been married for six weeks. Police thought Roy was odd. He was kind of cold and arrogant, not exactly compliant. One of the articles I read said he'd been asked to take polygraph tests, and he said no. But also, I'd say say no, too. I'd be like, nope, thank you. But he was definitely over an hour away at the time that Mary disappeared, and there was no indication that he had left LaGrange to return to Atlanta while he was away. Mm -hmm. His parents said he was absolutely devastated by his wife's disappearance, and there was no physical evidence to connect him to this in any way. Right. Also... Roy didn't appear to gain anything from his wife's disappearance, and neither did anybody else. Hundreds of people were interviewed, and of course the investigation took all sorts of turns, but there were never any significant leads. Like I said, Mary led a fairly average life, and I mean that in the best way. Yeah. Then a month later, two credit card slips turned up showing that one of Mary's credit cards was used twice just hours after she disappeared. Oh, wow. It took a month to figure this out, but it's also the 60s. Right, that's what I was going to say. It was used once on the morning of October 15th. Remember, she disappeared on the evening of the 14th. So Mm -hmm. this would have given whoever it was time to travel in Charlotte, North Carolina. That was Mary's hometown. Right. It was used by a woman who was said to be with one man. They were in a white white and blue 1956 or 57 Buick. Okay. Later that same day, the same card was used in Raleigh, North Carolina, by a woman who was said to be with two men. A witness said the woman kept trying to hide her face, but looked like she had a head injury and blood on her clothing and maybe blood on her legs. But most of the articles I read also said this woman never got out of the car. So, like, how could you see her that well if she never got out of the car? Yeah. I don't know. Both of the slips were signed, Mrs. Roy Little, and mm-hmm. Mary's family confirmed that it was her handwriting. Oh, I know. This part blew me away. Like, whoa, I thought she was gone way before this. Okay, whoa. The fact that her family confirmed her handwriting, I was like, what? Because this whole time, I was like, it's not her. Yeah. Because someone took her raincoat and purse. Yeah. So maybe a woman was involved in her disappearance, and this is just that woman. Right. And maybe blood but got on the raincoat the, when they took her. But now they kept the raincoat to keep her covered where she was wounded. Mm-hmm. So this witness saw the blood on the raincoat, and this woman is just wearing it, and he thinks, uh-huh. well, they're injured. And it's like, no, that person's just wearing Mary's coat, and Mary was injured, but that's not Mary. Yeah. <laughs> but then her family confirmed the handwriting, and now I don't know what to think. Oh, my gosh. Is that Mary? I have no idea. Oh. Here's the question I have about this. If this was Mary, Mm -hmm. if whoever took Mary took her to North Carolina and was with her there early the next morning, then a second or third person, because they're saying two men were with her in Raleigh, had to be involved in order to drive her car back to Lenox Square parking lot and leave it there Friday around noon. Yeah. And the more people that are involved, the more unlikely it is that this whole thing is able to be a secret for so So, like, this gets just bigger and bigger, and that doesn't make sense. Yeah. So then the FBI did a handwriting analysis on her signature, too. Okay. And it was inconclusive, partly because the samples were so small. And it's the thing where it was on the carbon copy. Remember, they used to do a carbon Mm -hmm. copy of your credit cards? Yeah. So they were examining that. So it's not the original, which also made it hard. 
Also, Mary and Roy, they'd only been married for six weeks, and they're like, it's possible that she wasn't used to writing her married name yet. So even if her signature is a little uncertain, it could be because of that. Right. So who knows? Mm -hmm. Not me. Not us. We don't. Just the FBI. We know nothing. (laughs) Nobody knows. Nobody knows. The license plate on the Buick had been stolen in Charlotte, and there's no record of that credit card ever being used again. Wow. The next month, November, in case you need a reminder of how calendars work, Mm -hmm. Roy put out an appeal over the radio begging for Mary's safe return. A month later. Which is December. Mm -hmm. The FBI officially joined the investigation. I guess the only way they were involved before was just to do the handwriting. Okay. Okay. Once the FBI got involved, that's when maybe what I've been telling you about Mary's life being kind of blah and average was um, maybe I've been lying to you a little bit. But also maybe not. Scandalous? Well, maybe not because I'm starting to wonder if maybe more women deal with this than not. Here we go. Mary had been getting some weird phone calls at her office. Okay. One of her coworkers overheard her say, I'm a married woman now. Now. And someone else overheard her say, you can come to my house anytime you like, but I can't come over there. (gasps) She'd also gotten roses from a secret admirer shortly before October 14th. Now, I shouldn't say secret admirer. I actually think that was me. I think I said secret admirer when what the article said Mm -hmm. was anonymous source. She just got roses. Yes. Anonymous source is more accurate. Secret admirer is me taking editorial liberty and that totally makes it sound it could be something more that's not just say anonymous source this was investigated but the florist could not give any more details about his laws as a florist (laughs) they just didn't know anything else right (laughs) a high school friend of mary's told investigators that in the weeks before she disappeared mary was afraid to be home alone or in her car alone so what is that oh what was going on yeah i don't know she was being followed. What were these phone calls? What were those roses? Yeah. Okay. So now I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. Tell you about a little more something else. Okay. It's all going to come back together. Okay. I'm ready. All right. After Mary disappeared, uh-huh. obviously they had to fill her position at the bank. Uh-huh. And they hired someone named Diane Shields. Okay. This is such a weird thing. I just can't leave it out. Diane is a 22-year-old woman. She replaced Mary at CNS Bank. Mm-hmm. She even sat at Mary's old desk. Okay. She also moves in with Mary's former roommate, Sandra Green. Oh. She doesn't stay at CNS very long. She ends up going to work at somewhere else called Georgia Associated Industries, How and she moves she back in Sandra? with her sister. I don't know. Isn't that weird? That is. I don't know if she, weird. like, happened to know her before yeah. or what. Um, she was engaged to be married. You know, she's young. She's 20. Yeah. On May 19th, 1967, about 18 months after Mary disappeared, Diane left work and was headed home, and she vanished. Hmm. Now, they do end up finding Diane. About 2.30 in the morning, Saturday, October 20th, her blue and white Impala is found in East Point, which is south of Atlanta. Oh, my gosh. The keys are still in the ignition. Blood was dripping from the trunk. (gasps) Police opened the trunk. To find Diane's body wedged upside down between the spare tire and a cardboard box. She had been beaten to death and strangled. Oh my gosh. A scarf and pages from the Atlanta phone book had been shoved down her throat. She was fully clothed, still wearing her diamond engagement ring, so she hadn't been robbed. 
and she showed no signs of sexual assault. Oh my gosh. Friends said that Diana had acted strangely in the months before she died. She had disappeared for hours at a time and she would miss appointments. She'd actually told a friend from her hometown that she had been working undercover to try and solve Mary Little's disappearance. Hmm. Now, no evidence had ever turned up to prove that she was working undercover. Right, but they're also not going to say that. Right, that's what I was going to say. Would any evidence show up? Also, what does that mean? Like, was she officially working undercover? Yeah, or did she or was just she like me and you? Yeah. Like, we're trying to solve this mystery. <laughs> a few articles I read said that one of the investigators absolutely believed that Mary and Diane's murders were connected. Okay. If we believe that Mary was murdered. Okay. But I didn't read that he had any proof of that. Right. It may just be that he was yeah. like, how could they not be? Yeah. Connected. I mean, we're talking about same like, job, same desk, same roommate, same right living situation. Yeah. There was some talk that there was some shady stuff going on at CNS Bank. And it's possible that if Diane was doing some digging, she could have turned up some of that. Oh. I can't figure out how much of this is just wild speculation. So as always, I'm going to throw in a big allegedly here Mm -hmm. and remind you that I'm just telling you things that have already been reported publicly in other places and you can find the sources in the show notes and I'm not making any of this up. Yeah. There's never been any proof that Mary or Diane was involved in any of this, if any of this is real at all. (laughs) But there were rumors that law enforcement had someone undercover within the bank investigating a lesbian ring. (laughs) A lesbian ring of what? I don't I don't know. I guess back then, just being a lesbian was something. They had nothing back then. It sounds great, I'll tell you. All the lesbians. Yeah. We found some lesbians. You're a lesbian. You're a lesbian. You're a banker and a lesbian? (laughs) Impossible. Take it down. Inconceivable. (laughs) So here's just a direct quote from an article I read. Another story that investigators encountered was about a sugar shack. Stop. That's what I'm naming the coffee cart. Forget the coffee box. Sounds like the best euphemism ever. A home on Lake Lanier. Oh, we should do it. We should do an episode on Lake Lanier because that's where all the Mm -hmm. crazy stuff are. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's where all like the like weird history. (laughs) But I like that better. Okay. A home on Lake Lanier where senior bank managers supposedly enticed young female associates to join them for extra, extra. <laughs> no, I gotta get through this paragraph, you guys. It's like it's, it's so stupid, but also it's it, it's probably real. Mm-hmm. No, I can see it. allegedly. <laughs> A home on Lake Lanier where senior bank managers supposedly enticed young female associates. <laughs> It's just, uh, it's not that it's funny, it's, it's just, just absurd. absurd. Yeah, that's the exact word I was going to use. To join them for extracurricular activities, sexual in nature. There were also reportedly $50,000 deposits that had questionable sources. There is no unanimous agreement among the investigators regarding the possibility of a bank scandal being a component of Mary's disappearance. There has been much supposition and statements from bank employees, but no physical evidence is known. Is this like a game of telephone? Like, oh, I heard Sally right. in the lunchroom say that so-and-so was at the lake with so-and-so, and they said so-and-so was there too. And I told you that, like, I read a lot of different articles, and they all kind of said different stuff. This was brought up in a lot of them, but they all could have drawn it from mm-hmm. the same source. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's possible that if there was something weird going on right. at the bank, Mary's disappearance could have brought to light some stuff going on at the bank, but I don't think that means that Mary had any involvement right. necessarily. I could see a path where, like, maybe Diane starts digging around, pokes the wrong bear, mm-hmm. and maybe what happened to Diane is connected to Mary in that way. Like, not that the same person who took Mary, if right. that's what happened, right. is the same person who murdered Diane, but just that by investigating Mary, Diane ended up implicating someone or discovering something mm-hmm. that then got her killed. Yeah. Now, if someone kidnapped Mary... I actually don't think that the same people murdered Diane because what happened to Diane is so much more violent. Right. But if you want to say that they're connected because Diane wouldn't have been murdered if she'd never worked at CNS Bank, if she'd never worked for Mary Work, if she'd never started digging around trying to find out about Mary's disappearance, then yeah, they're connected that way. Yeah. I could believe that. Yeah. After Diane's murder, this is so weird. Okay. Investigators got a phone call from Mary's mother Asking that they stop investigating Mary's case. Hmm. What? Are they positive it was her mom? I'm sure. Okay. You wouldn't unless you were positive. Yeah. In a 2004 interview, the lead investigator said that when that happened, it made him wonder if Mary's family had heard from her. He suggested tapping their phones, but the FBI had refused, which is... Yeah. Another detective on the case had suspected that Mary had arranged her own disappearance, saying... Based on my experience in these cases, I simply don't believe she's dead. Eugene Rackley, you might remember he was her boss at the bank, disagrees. She was a fine, fine person, he says of Mary. She could have never have done her family that way. Again, no substantial leads have ever been found. Mary's family has not been willing to provide a DNA sample to compare against unknown found bodies. So what do we think? Was she kidnapped or murdered or did she fake her disappearance? I didn't read anything that indicated that she was unhappy in her life. What if the rumors are true about the bank? What if the FBI was also involved in that and they had her in there? What if Mary was also investigating? What if they had just like, even though she was already in banking, they had hired her to do a little more for them and then they replaced her with this girl? What if she had to go into hiding? What if she had to... I think if it was a murder protection program, they wouldn't have done anything like no, this. That's, to true. Get that's true. That's true. I mean, do they do that to cover their own tracks? Or I don't they know. Up and admit, hey. I mean, unless they had, if they were investigating something, and I mean, they would have had to explain her disappearance somehow. I don't know. I have forgotten. No. Listen, yeah. and all the things I know about how the FBI works, we're just so good at this. Maybe I mean, you should just call the FBI and be like, let me call the people I know. Can we just ask you some questions? Let me just give Obama a call. Um, it's been a while since we've talked. So yeah, could she just have been scared enough to say I can't do like, this anymore? Not even that she was involved in any sort of investigation. Just that yeah, if there I was can't. something shady going on at the bank, shady enough that it got Diane murdered so violently mm-hmm. that Mary faked her own death out of fear. That right. she ran away, and maybe she did contact her mom later yeah. to be like, "I'm okay, but I'm terrified." Can you? Yeah. Like, I, please stop. don't worry about me anymore. But, like, yeah. I have to disappear. Yeah. And is that why the husband was so laid back about it? Did he ever remarry? Did he ever, I don't know. Do we know what he's up to these days? Is he with a woman that may look like? <laughs> <laughs> but maybe after Diane died, her mom was like, now I know why she was so scared. Stop yeah. looking for her. Yeah. Like, she was, she was right. Yeah. My gosh. I don't, I have no idea. There's so many variables. 
Or maybe her mom didn't hear from her, but just knowing that like the whole thing that happened with the credit card slips and the supposed sightings or whatever, they were just like, I think she's still alive. Mm-hmm. Stop looking for her. Yeah. She had to have had a reason to disappear. And whoever killed Diane could kill her. Leave yeah. her alone. But also, wouldn't you want the opposite? Wouldn't you want them to be able to find her so she's safe, so they could keep her safe? But also, maybe you don't trust that in the 60s. I don't know. Maybe you don't trust that now. But what if, I I don't know. I don't know. And maybe they don't want to provide a DNA sample because of all the genealogy stuff today. And they'll find her by her grandkids or or their grandkids or whatever. And it's not even necessarily that you think any danger becomes, I mean, she's obviously got to be dead by now. But like, just the embarrassment of it yeah you don't want that it's a family secret you don't want to get yeah. to light anymore i don't know somebody knows yeah who's gonna tell us if you know you, you can tell you can, can tell, tell us we know that thing i said about trusting no one that doesn't apply to us we are very trusted so anyway definitely want to know what you all think about this one do you think she was taken or do you think she arranged to disappear yeah, we need to know. Yeah. I, honestly, at this point, I would believe either one. Yeah. And I feel sorry oh, for I would believe way. anything at this point. I think if she chose to leave, it wasn't because she really wanted to. I think she felt yeah. like she had to for some yeah. reason. Because something was going on. Something scary was happening. Yeah. Okay. Oh Thanks gosh. for listening. Yeah. We love you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye.